Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the One Year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is July 7th, and our reading comes from Acts chapter 25. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Remember, Paul was in the temple teaching. A group of Jews who hate what he's teaching is rushed in, and they drag him into the street. They're about to kill him. The Romans come and rescue Paul, but they put him in prison trying to figure out why are the Jews so upset with him? Why are the Jews trying to to kill him? And the Jews, of course, are pressuring the government to condemn Paul and to end his life. And so Paul is on trial, and that's where we pick up. This is verse 15, and here's what the governor says. The governor says, When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priest and Jewish elders pressed charges against Paul and asked me to condemn him. I pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial. They must be given an opportunity to confront their accusers and defend themselves. Now, when I was reading this story, the idea that really jumped out that I want to talk to you a little bit about today is the idea of justice. And justice is not just an American ideal. Justice is not just something that they were practicing in Rome in the first century. The truth is, justice is God's idea. God is a just God. So what does justice mean? look like. And I just want to touch on some things that I think are so important. If we're going to be followers of Christ, the way we talk about justice, what we're hoping from, from our government, I think it needs to reflect who God is in our world. And in our story, what I love is that here's this Roman governor. He's not a follower of Christ, but he's trying to protect Paul's rights. He's trying to be just. So I want to talk a little bit about what justice is needs to look like here in America. First of all, we need to hold on to the principle of a presumption of innocence. And one of the things I think we struggle with is we have a tendency in our fallenness, I think we have a tendency to rush to judgment. We have a tendency to assume guilt rather than to presume innocence until a person is proven guilty. And this is so important for all of us Man, let's presume innocence and put the burden of proof on the prosecution. Let me give you an illustration of why this is so important. When I was in high school, I played football with a guy named Andre. Andre was a a superstar. He was an All-American in football, wrestling, and baseball, the best athlete I've ever seen or ever played with. He went on a full ride to Clemson, and as a freshman at Clemson, was an All-American. I mean, just an amazing superstar athlete. But after his freshman year, he broke up with his girlfriend, and when he did, she accused him of rape. Well, in that moment, the coach, the school administration, everybody kind of assumed he was guilty. He was thrown off the team. He was put out of school, and his life began. He just kind of went into this tailspin. Well, almost a year later, the girlfriend recanted. She admitted she made up the story because she was angry with Andre. 
But unfortunately, by that time, she had completely destroyed his life. And the thing that I think was most damaging for Andre is that the coach and the school did not presume innocence until proven guilty. They rushed to judgment and it destroyed his life. He died this year in jail of COVID. He never really recovered from that moment. So I think we got to be careful. Let's suspend judgment. Let's give everybody their day in court, right? Here's the second thing is that he says in this passage, he deserves a fair trial. And certainly that's true in America. So if everybody's going to get a fair trial, here's a couple of things I think to keep in mind is that everybody deserves a quality defense. One of the most unfortunate things about the judicial system in America today is that so many people are forced because of a lack of resources to accept the state defender who is usually overworked and doesn't give that case the attention that it needs. And then that person is forced to take their chances in court and potentially lose and to spend a very long time in prison or to plead to a lesser charge to get out, but accept guilt even if they're not guilty. And so many people, out of fear that they're going to lose because they don't have, they can't afford a quality defense, they plea for something they did not do because they're afraid of losing and the consequences being far worse. And that's not fair. Everybody deserves a quality defense, a fair trial, and we should do something to make that happen. Not only that, our courts are so busy and overrun. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure for people to settle and to plead instead of defending themselves when they're innocent. Here's another thing that's important is that we need a speedy trial. And sometimes a person is arrested for a crime that they didn't commit, but they're in jail, unable to make bail. And they might spend a couple of years in jail waiting for a trial. And during that time in jail, often they are abused and mistreated and and even institutionalized, criminalized by the system. They might have been innocent and they went in innocent, but after two years of living in that environment, they come out jaded and they never recover. And I think we got to figure out a way to do something about that. Here's a third idea, is that prison should be redemptive. And I know that people go to prison to pay for their crime, and that's true. But while they're in prison paying for their crime, we should try to be redemptive in our approach to prison so that that prisoner comes out and he's better and he's prepared to transition back into culture and society in real life. 80% of prisoners get out and they go back in because the truth is they're not prepared to live on the outside. So what could we do while they're in prison to help them get an education, to help them get skill training, to provide the gospel, to, to be much more open-hearted to the church and the gospel, to help transform a man or a woman's heart so that they're prepared to transition out and contribute to society. So I just think we need to think about uh, prison a little differently 
to think that this is an opportunity to help redeem a person's life and help them make a fresh start. And when they do, listen, we all win. We all win. Here's a fourth thing I think that's important, is I think people coming out of prison ought to be able to do something, or after a certain amount of time, they ought to be able to clear their name. When a man or woman comes out of prison and they have a felony on their record, and that stays with them the rest of their life. Again, it makes them far more likely to slip back into crime, far less likely to take care of their family and responsibilities because they can't even get a good job. You know, every time you fill out a job application, you have to answer the question, do you have a, a felony on your record? And I just don't think that should stay with us the rest of our life. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I don't have a a felony. I'm so grateful that I don't have to put on a job application all the things that I am guilty of. Now, I may have, I never broke the law and I've never had to go to jail and I don't have a felony, but there's some pretty ugly stuff back there. And I'm sure glad I don't have to put that on my job application, aren't you? And I just think we have to be careful. We don't want to handicap a person for the rest of their life Because again, that becomes a great burden on all of us. We want everybody to flourish. When we all flourish, we all benefit from that. I think that's so important. And then here's a final idea is I think we need to help men and women transition back, which means, again, we need to work to help them grow and heal spiritually while they're in prison. We need to provide community in the prison from the outside, I think that's what we're trying to do by going, in, taking our services and small groups into the prison. We need to help them reconnect with their family. One of the most powerful ministries uh, called Proverbs 23 that we've been involved with some of the years brings children of inmates into the prison a time every year to allow that inmate to connect with the kid. You say, well, man, they're in prison. They shouldn't get to do that. No, what it does is it gives that inmate tremendous motivation to get his life together and to come out and be a good dad. In fact, it cuts the recidivity rate, uh, I mean, from 80% to, to less than 10%. It's just amazing what it does. And we need to be thinking that way. Again, thinking redemptively. Next, we need to provide, again, education and training so they're prepared to make that transition. And then we need to do what we can to provide jobs and encourage employers to provide a transitional opportunity for inmates who could come out and get a job and and help that company and help that inmate rebuild his life. You say, well, if we do that, we're going to take all the good jobs from, from hardworking Americans. Well, the truth is, right now in America, there's a tremendous shortage of workers. That is really not our problem. And, and it looks like by the year 2030, we could be short as many as 90 million workers. I mean, we have a worker shortage problem in America right now. So what if we help inmates get ready, prepared, training, education, and when they come out, there's a step-by-step process for helping them get in the workforce, which benefits everybody. Here's my point. Let's be a people, because we follow Christ, who believes in justice and believes in redemption. Let's be careful not to assume people are guilty. Let's make sure they get a fair trial. Let's make sure that their prison time is redemptive. Let's make sure that they can get out and make a fresh start. 
and let's make sure we help them transition back into culture so that their life story becomes a powerful witness to the grace and the transforming power of the gospel. Amen. I love how in this story, even in the first century, as corrupt and broken as Rome was, this governor is fighting to give Paul a fair trial. Well, certainly as followers of Christ, we should do the same. Let me pray for you, Father. I just pray that you would soften our heart to those who are incarcerated. And when I look at my own life, I I have to admit that it would have been so easy, several moments in my life, it would have been so easy for me to take a wrong turn, to make a wrong decision, and to to break the law, to have a felony, to do time, and, and for my life to be tremendously different. And even though that didn't happen, I'm also so aware of how broken, how just a, a mess my own life was, and you loved me, and you've worked redemptively to transform my life and give me a, a fresh start. And God, we want every person in America to experience that. When I think about the Beatitudes and humility, brokenness, surrender, dependence, and I think about the average prisoner, often when you've served time, it produces in you a humility, a brokenness, a surrender, a a dependence, which is the foundation for a blessed life. So God, help us to be people who stand and fight for justice for all people here and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me again today. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.